The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. It's the cloudy, rainy Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Happy to have you guys on board with us for the next hour to talk UK sports. We'll chat with Mike Pratt, with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and with Eric Crawford from WDRB.com. And lots to discuss as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. Presented by Kentucky Beer Cheese. The big news is not... Uh, really a Kentucky story, but it is from Duke. Coach Mike Krzyzewski retiring after the upcoming season. And they've already moved to make John Shire, former player and longtime assistant, as the replacement. So just like with North Carolina, uh, they turn to a former player with no head coaching experience to head up the program. Um, John Calipari released a statement yesterday uh, with the glowing praise for what Coach K has accomplished and added, quote, personally, he has challenged me as a coach and a recruiter. And they'll challenge each other on the basketball court come the 9th of November at Madison Square Garden when Kentucky and Duke will open the college basketball season in the Champions Classic. I would imagine it will uh, not be the first game of the uh, college basketball season. I imagine it will be the second half of the doubleheader. So Kansas-Michigan State will actually uh, be the first game of the season. Would be my guess. But uh, anyway, kind of uh, appropriate that Kentucky and Duke will play in what will be Mike Krzyzewski's final season. So we'll talk about this with uh, our guests today. Uh, The uh, probably next biggest story uh, comes from the world of thoroughbred racing. And Bob Baffert suspended for two years by Churchill Downs. This would be through the next two Kentucky Derbies. Uh, This action taken after the second test on Medina Spirit came back positive. So he is likely to be disqualified from his Kentucky Derby win at some point. And then it will become a uh, legal issue Uh, back in 1968. The Derby winner was disqualified in a similar story, and then it was several years before it was uh, fully adjudicated and nothing changed through the judicial process. But nevertheless, uh, the big news yesterday, Bob Baffert suspended for two years, so this will have a tremendous impact on his business because he's one of the quote-unquote derby trainers, the guy that you send your horse to if you want your horse to make it to the Kentucky Derby and then Obviously, have a chance to win it, but for a lot of people, it's just being able to compete in the Kentucky Derby, and uh, Baffert is not going to be able to do that, and it's not like it can be the horse running in an assistant's name. The suspension applies to um, anybody working with Baffert, associated with Baffert, so there's no side door to to work around on this issue, so it uh, will be a Tremendous uh, impact on Baffert's business coming up over the uh, next couple of years, at least, and uh, likely beyond. All of our Triple Crown coverage this spring, presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. Belmont Stakes, of course, coming up on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's show. Dante Allen 
was the uh, featured wildcat of the day, if you will, at the uh, camp stop at Ryle High School, not too far from where Dante played his high school basketball at Pendleton County. And it was uh, another camp for Coach Coach Cal and players to interact with uh, youngsters in that part of the state. Dante talked to the media, uh, was asked about, you know, did he consider transferring? And he said, quote, I'm not a quitter. And he said he's coming back with the attitude of what else does he have to do to add to his regimen to be able to get in and stay in that rotation. Uh, more competition could come for him if Davian Mintz returns. But Allen said he hopes that Davian does come back. Allen said his approach is just to work hard and um, that'll everything will take care of itself. And I said this during the season last year. I mean, a lot of fans obviously were uh, at crossways with, with Cal over the the playing time for Dante Allen, but uh, I never got the sense that Cal had any problem at all with Dante and that uh, he appreciated how Dante continued to to work and didn't, you know, cause any, there was nothing on social media, no issues at all. So I think uh, Dante's in a position now, I mean, you, you look at players that Cal has brought in, they're players similar to Dante Allen's game. So if he can grow his game, Become a little better defender, uh, a little better ball handler. Be able to do be more than just a catch and shoot guy. Um, he's, I think, uh, clearly going to be able to carve out a role. In it may not be as big this season. We'll see, but I think it can happen for him because of the skills that he has as a shooter. Couple of other notes uh, before we get to our first break. Dane Key's first visit after the dead period was to the University of Kentucky. His dad, of course, played uh, Dante Key at UK. Dane's one of the uh, outstanding high school players in the state from Frederick Douglass here in Lexington. And basketball recruiting note, uh, Derek Lively, going to uh, make a visit to UK later this month. He's a 7-1 center in the class of 2022. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at townleachky.com. We'll get to a quick break, come back with Mike Pratt. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. By the way, they've got their new downtown location open across from where all that construction's going on at Rupp Arena. It's uh, it's not a place where you fill up your vehicle. It's just a place where you fill up yourself with great food and snacks uh, downtown on Main Street uh, for a breakfast or lunch. Stop in the uh, cafe there at Clark's Pump and Shop. New downtown location in Lexington. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 16 past the top of the hour, Mike Pratt joins the program. You can follow him on Twitter at MikePratt22. Mike, obviously the big story yesterday in the sports world uh, for fans, college basketball fans, particularly in this part of the uh, world, was Mike Krzyzewski announcing that he's retiring after the upcoming season. Were you surprised by that news? Yeah, I was, Tom. I I was uh, surprised. But uh, Kay's getting to that age, and uh, with Roy uh, retiring, uh, I, I, you know, things are changing in the world of college athletics. And I'm not a doomsayer, Tom. And, and people want to say, well, it's going to be worse and worse and things aren't going to be good. And I, I think college basketball, for example, is going to be different. So is college football. We've already seen that with how Saban has changed the way he approaches the game in Alabama as far as offense and defense. And college basketball is going to be different. Uh, is it going to be better or worse? 
uh, let's see. Let's take our time and see. It will be different. But I've got a hunch that there's some pretty sharp young coaches out there and older coaches that are going to make this thing work. Do you think Duke can uh, sustain, if not you know, to the five championship level, but to be uh, somewhere at least close to where Shashevsky has put the program uh, in his uh, in, in the next phase? Uh, and is that going to be easier or more difficult than, say, the school down the road at UNC? Um, I think he's got no shot to keep it at the level that Krzyzewski had. I mean, this guy was phenomenal. I mean, you know, how many people have been able to keep it at the level of John Wooden at UCLA? So I, yeah, I, good point. I don't think that should be Shire's, Shire's goal. And I don't think it'll be any higher to keep or harder to keep that program at the top as it will be Carolina to your question. Carolina, uh, Hubert Davis is a former player, former assistant, et cetera, much like Shire, more uh, talented basketball player, but had been an assistant for a long time. And I think these two guys got a shot to keep it at the top, but to, to do what Roy Williams did and what particularly what Coach K did, it, it, that's, that's near impossible, Tom. This is two of the highest-profile programs that have both taken the same approach with a legendary coach leaving, and that is to hire a uh, an assistant who's been with them for quite a while that is also a former player. And I, I think it's uh, no doubt the influence of the departing coach uh, plays a role in this. I'm sure Krzyzewski was a, an advocate for Shire and Roy Williams was for Hubert Davis. There's also a you know, monetary component that it's a lot you know less expensive to go that route than to go out and find uh, a more you know established coach with more of a proven track record as a head coach uh what do you think's uh, driving the bus on those particular kinds of decisions well i think uh, the coach uh, that is retiring Shishesky or williams both uh do have a lot of influence in, in fact probably the most important influence is both of those guys and who they want. Um, outside of that, who knows? I mean, a, a search could be, can be a costly and extensive situation where maybe you get turned down a couple times and, and things uh, really become difficult then. So you have talented people right there with you, and the head coach who's leaving decides they are his guy then it makes a whole lot of sense to go that way. And um, uh, it's uh, for certain pr- programs, that works out well. UCLA, yeah, you know, they've had, they had their ups and downs. Uh, Larry Farmer was a former player, and he couldn't do enough. And not that he was a bad coach, but out there it doesn't seem like you can ever do enough. So um, I think it's appropriate, and in the, in the, you have to tip your hat to both Carolina and Duke. It's, you know, that most schools use search firms now, and I always think part of that is, is just, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a, of a cover for any, any mistake that might be made that you have to have somebody to, to blame if you're doing the hiring. Um, but, you know, when Kentucky hired Cal, you were part of, of, uh, you know, a tight circle that Mitch uh, kept in that particular hire that I thought, you know, worked obviously very well. That um, and it, you know, uh, it was a way to uh, uh, you know, trust your own 
instincts uh, rather than uh, bring outside uh, folks into the process. Um, it, it, it's it, it's always you know it's it's a lot tougher to make these hires I think than people think sometimes just because you have a lot of money to throw around. It's it, it, the day and age of money whipping these coaches is is over at the top. Used to be able to money whip guys that want to move to the top, and um, they weren't making a whole lot of money at a let's say mid level monetary school. Forget about the record; they're qualified. You're talking to them, but monetarily, they're in the mid level or even low level, and you could money whip these guys. But now everybody makes money. Everybody, I mean, at, at the at the mid or upper, I would say probably. A million five to two million is as cheap as you're going to get a get a coach anymore. And uh, now in the the Mac schools and people like that that are uh, struggling uh, football wise to generate money, that's a different ball game. But you're talking about the Big East, the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, uh, those those type of leagues, Big Ten. Those guys all are making at least two mil, Tom. So it's hard to money with them now. You have to make sure, I think, and one thing Mitch uh, and Lee Todd did well uh, in, in our search is that uh, they uh, zeroed in on a guy and knew, and knew I knew he wanted the job because one of his former uh, assistants called me personally and said, look, Cal wants the job, okay? And I passed that along. And they decided to go with that and go talk to Calipari. And so it was, it was not a swing and a miss which can happen in a search. It was a, a swing and a home run. Yes, it was. <laughs> Very much so. Um, one other topic since we last talked, uh, Cal talked to the media. One of the things that he said last Friday in that session, uh, he indicated that Keon Brooks would be back. Uh, what uh, would you expect out of a third year with Keon? I expect big things. Uh, I, I really do. I think he's poised to have a big year. And, and what that might mean, number-wise, it's, it's hard to tell. But I think you can see him uh, getting to a plateau of 15.7 rebounds, a couple of assists um, on an every-game situation. And, and, okay, so maybe he doesn't get to 15. Maybe he gets to 13. But he can he can defend. His, maybe one of the underrated uh, values to Keon is his ability to defend multiple positions and rebound. And leadership is, is, is a given with him. I mean, he's quality. But I think basketball-wise, uh, uh, defense and rebounding are two areas that are undervalued with, with Keon. We all have a tendency to talk about how many points can he make, how many threes can he make. Well, he's going to make his share. He's going, going to get his minutes. But look at some other things. And we'll close out on this. I got a note from uh, Charlie Higginbotham, who's the current president of the Committee of 101. It's the guys in the Blue Blazers. And uh, you and I both know what uh, a great group of guys that they are, and ladies, and um, that um, they are now looking for some new members. They lost some uh, folks with uh, COVID and uh, people who you know retired and moved on that uh, they're looking for new members. Uh, you male or female, over the age of 21, email Higginbotham, H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M dot Charles at gmail.com, and you can find out the process for being part of a, which should be a really fun group. We love those folks. Wonderful group, and and our man, the late Van Florence, helped get it started, and just a wonderful group. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great story how they uh, – just a great group of U.K. fans that came together to support the program, and uh, they're still doing it to this day. So, Mike, uh, thank you much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, buddy. Take care. Again, that email, H-I-G-G-I-N-B-O-T-H-A-M, Higginbotham, dot Charles at gmail.com if you'd like to be one of the the army of blue coats that work U.K. events. Uh, great uh, men and women that uh, are – give of their time to the university. We'll be right back on The Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Justin Rowland next up on the Leach Report, coming to you from catsillustrated.com and on Twitter, it's at Roland Rivals. What was your reaction the to the news of Coach K uh, announcing his retirement, Justin? Well, I mean, he's just been, you know, front and center my entire lifetime. Literally, have never kind of aging myself here, but have never known the sport without him. Kind of came of age watching when he, uh, as a kid, when he won his first two titles. It's just going to be bizarre for him not to be around. I guess it's fitting that he would go out around the same time as Roy Williams. You knew it was going to happen, but just just seeing it and the plan is is a shock, no doubt. You tweeted something yesterday that uh, when I I read this, I I could imagine Jimmy Dan Connor, Jack Givens, Kevin Greavy, all those guys on the 75 team saying, yep, uh uh-huh, he's right. Uh, He said (laughs) Coach K will get the John Wooden treatment uh, from that 75 championship game after he announced his retirement. Yeah, I'll admit, like, I, I, I didn't watch that live. I wasn't alive. But um, it's gone down in Kentucky lore. People who, who did watch it were just convinced, and maybe they went into it saying, you know, this is what's going to happen. But a lot of people swear that Wooden got some really favorable treatment that tournament. And, you know, somebody pointed out to me, how is that any different than, than Duke every year anyways? I think that was <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was really just the. Uh, I think the uh, the championship game because that's when he announced his retirement. But uh, he, uh, there was one one play in particular. I know Oscar uh, Combs will talk about this one where uh, he went out to protest a call. And when I say he went out, he went out on the court, and uh, they guided him gently back to his seat on the bench without a technical foul. We'll be right back with more with Justin Rowland. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report. Justin Rowland with us from CatsIllustrated.com. And if you go there, you can get an early look at Kentucky's first football opponent. You guys, I think, are the first ones out of the box I've seen previewing, doing an opponent preview on Louisiana Monroe that Kentucky will open the season with on September 4th. Some familiar names will be over there on the sidelines, too. Terry Bowden, Rich Rodriguez, and a 27-year-old defensive coordinator, the youngest coordinator in FBS football. So it looks like Terry Bowden has leveraged his deep connections in the football coaching fraternity to to put together a staff that's a combination of some some guys that have been around for a long time at some at some big jobs and they've taken on a new challenge and then some younger guys uh that are that are probably considered up-and-comers but yeah this was one of the worst teams in fbs football last year and 
there's really nothing you can point to to say Kentucky should be on upset alert. This team really struggles to stop the run, and it should be a good confidence builder for, for a team with a new offensive coordinator and, and a new quarterback. It would be an interesting uh, storyline, though, with Kentucky's new OC coming from the NFL against uh, what would be, what, the uh, youngest coordinator in college football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two young guys, two, two guys that are obviously respected. I mean, to, to be a 27-year-old and become a defensive coordinator, that, that's a trend. I thought a position coach was 24 years old. I think Herm Edwards hired a 24-year-old position coach. So you're getting younger and younger uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how much we're going to be able to take from that game because because ULM was so bad a year ago. I think they were outscored on average forty-two to sixteen, and they didn't face one Power Five opponent. So so Terry Bowden has taken on a big time rebuilding job. It'll be a, a way to kind of ease into the season, much different than last year with the opener at Auburn. But then uh, well, it will be a very big game. You guys, I'm sure, will be writing about soon against uh, Missouri in, in week two. Um, I must admit, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can. Uh, give me a different take on this. I'm not. I don't get the tremendous love for Missouri. I know they had a nice season, um, a little better than expected, but um, it's to to have the the gap be as big from Missouri to Kentucky as some folks nationally uh, that are writing about the upcoming season are portraying. I don't get. Yeah, I don't get it either. We saw it with Missouri, uh, not to the level of South Carolina for several years. But, yeah, Missouri tends to be a little overrated, and, and Kentucky tends to be a little underrated. And I think uh, that's a function of people who, who do these things, who make these predictions, myself included, are always looking for the next big thing before it happens. And I think those teams tend to they tend to pick teams that have flashy quarterbacks or promising quarterbacks, and I think Connor Vazlik did, did enough to – Good point. some excitement, but across the board, I just think Kentucky is a superior team. Just talent, depth, physicality. Last year, the circumstances with, with Schlarman, of course, not making the trip, um, and, and just a weird season, Mizzou just outplayed him. They flat out outplayed him, but Kentucky has owned this series lately, and I, I would like them again this year. You uh, talked about the trend toward hiring some younger coordinators uh, in college football. Uh, what Back to basketball, What's your take on Carolina and Duke both uh, staying within the team, uh, within the staff, to find the successor to a legendary coach rather than going out and finding the, quote, best coach available? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure these people would point to, the defenders of it would point to, you know, who was Dean Smith, who was Coach K before, before they were hired. And, you know, I think with Coach K doing it like this, he, you know, he has obviously clout and influence and maybe hand-picked Shire. Um, Hubert Davis and Shire both surprised me a little bit. I just feel like those are the kind of hires you could have made after targeting, you know, the most um, proven guys in the sport. Maybe you're not going to get Mark Few or Jay Wright or somebody from the NBA, but I'm just surprised they didn't try. I'm surprised that was option 1A, but they wanted to make a confident move. And, I'm, you know, Hubert Davis, his... his his work on television comes through. He's a great communicator. He's inspiring. And Shire it, it has some similarities to Young K, I would imagine. But, yeah, I was surprised that they went that direction so quickly. Brad Stevens is uh, leaving the coaching role at Boston to become take or Danny Ainge's job is in charge of the whole basketball operations for, uh, for the Celtics. So I'm sure his name will now pop up in uh, many coaching searches. 
Yeah, I heard the first mention uh, yesterday as soon as the K news came through, but obviously that wasn't the plan. But, yeah, I mentioned yesterday on social media, I mean, we've got like a quarter century of these rumors coming up. You know, it's, it, that's what we've had for the last 10 years, and his career has definitely taken a unique uh, attack. And for, for somebody that young who, who, you know, you could have envisioned coaching in college or the NBA for the next 25 years to, to make this kind of move, maybe it's not permanent. Maybe he will be getting back into coaching at some point, but he's done it his own way so far. If you're a college basketball fan, as most people are in this area, over the NBA, I think a lot of fans uh, uh, maybe don't fully accept that uh, even if the money's similar, guys uh, may prefer the NBA. Uh, Billy Donovan's never gone back to college. A lot of people thought that he would. Instead, he took another pro job. Uh, Kenny Payne had a chance to go to DePaul and didn't. Are you there? Yes. There we go. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's the same thing in football, too. I mean, you just deal with a lot of stuff in college sports that you don't have to deal with in the the professional ranks. And And more is coming. Recruiting basically doubles the amount of work you have to do. And you don't have to deal with parents. And, and, you know, the fan and the media issues are different, maybe more challenging in some respects. But um, I I just think the amount of work and the amount of, junk that you don't have to deal with in the pros is enticing to a lot of people and more uh, hassles i guess is maybe the the best word to use are coming with uh, name image likeness and uh, the recruiting is going to expand because you're going to have to recruit the guys you've already recruited yeah and for guys like roy williams and coach k just the the, the speed that the landscape is shifting it, it, it is is really amazing, and those guys are probably looking at it like, I might be able to do this, but this is probably a landscape for a younger coach. And, you know, to his credit, Calipari seems to have adjusted and adapted this offseason at least better than a lot of those, those guys who've been around for a long time. You had tweeted about five-star defensive lineman Michael Williams out of, uh, I believe, Georgia, is going to make a visit to U.K. You tweeted, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, that was a good scoop from, from Zach from KSR. And uh, he um, he's one of the top recruits in the country, number 12, I think, on rivals, um, big-time defensive lineman. I think the assumption has been he's going to go to Georgia for a long time. But then he didn't commit when everybody expected, and it's kind of um, – there's kind of been an open question. How open is he to other schools? Just getting him on campus for an official is a really big deal. John Summerall did a, did a really great job with that. Similar to um, – I would say Quandarius Robinson, this five-star guy from the South, officially visited Kentucky a few years ago. Everybody got really excited, and then he committed to Alabama coming out of the trip. That's what they gotta they got to do. they got to determine, is this guy somebody that we can really get, or, or is he going to Georgia? But I guess we'll find out soon. Justin Rowland at Rowland Rivals on Twitter. Cantsillustrated.com on the web. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Eric Crawford from WDRB coming up next on this Thursday edition of The Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. About a year ago at this time, uh, Eric Crawford was doing outstanding work at WDRB.com uh, covering angles to the pandemic since there was very little to cover in the sports world. Uh, there was plenty to cover in the sports world yesterday, Eric. <laughs> All of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, let me what start. Is, we would start with. The year, mate. 
Yeah, exactly. We started my previous two guests with a Coach K story. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me start you with the, the Bob Baffert story and uh, a two-year suspension handed down by Churchill Downs shortly after the second positive test came back on Medina Spirit. Uh, were you surprised at the action Churchill took? Well, I wasn't surprised at the action. Um, I think I've gotten a feeling, and they're not talking a lot about it, but I've got the feeling there's a lot of frustration at Churchill that that Baffert could could let this happen through carelessness or whatever else, uh, even if it was an innocent mistake and a, and a topical ointment, what have you, to, to let a banned race day drug uh, be found in the Kentucky Derby winner. There's not a lot of tolerance for that. So I, I wasn't surprised really by the action. What I was surprised by was the timing. Um, that, you know, right now, and, and uh, you know, even with its previous suspension of Baffert, when he first announced to everybody that there'd been a positive test, Churchill acted the same day. I mean, there was no uh, long examination of the facts, no hearing, uh, no due process, really. Bob Baffert's people would probably tell you. And they, they just acted. And um, I, I think there's a reason for that. I think they, you know, horse racing is trying to turn over a new leaf. Uh, it's come a long way in a short time in terms of the national legislation that was passed, and national commissions being set up to deal with this race day medication question. And um, I think Churchill wants to be out in front. So like Baffert has rushed his horses to the front to win the last two Kentucky Derbies, uh, Churchill Downs has gotten way out in front of this. And maybe, maybe it's gotten a little too far out in front, but I don't think you can question where they stand, and that is that there's really zero tolerance. Uh, for this kind of thing, especially as regards uh, the Kentucky Derby. When a lot of us were down there on the trackside in 2019 waiting for the stewards to make their decision on maximum security, what was ultimately DQ, disqualification, Bill Mott, whose country house got moved up, uh, said that if this were... were just an allowance race on Wednesday, it would be an easy call to take the horse down. This kind of this particular storyline with with Baffert shows us the Derby is is never just an allowance race on Wednesday. No, it's not. And in fact, if this were a normal race, we would not have heard about any of this yet. Yeah, <laughs> all of this stuff is supposed to be confidential. And in fact, that's that's the rule. That's the state rule that uh, nobody not the not the trainer, not the trainer's lawyers, not the track, not anybody talks about these drug tests until you know the second sample has come back and everybody agrees what has happened uh, nobody talks about it so this this is highly unusual in that bob baffert comes out you know the day after he's been notified of the positive test and tells the media about it and now it's all playing out in public which is great for us you know, you know let's not be disingenuous about this as media people and i think there's a certain uh a certain amount of this from a transparency standpoint that that's good for the public but this is really uh, uncharted water in terms of just the blow by blow and what's going on the step by step we generally don't get to see this but along the lines of what bill mott said you know the same thing happened with baffert a year ago his his philly gamine finished third in the kentucky oaks tested positive for the same substance and baffert said well we we gave it to her but we stopped two weeks out but she still had it in her system and just accepted it and and took the you know took the loss and moved on 
that's not the case because this is the Kentucky Derby. This is the first Saturday in May, and it's a winner, not the first, you know, the, not Kentucky Oaks Day and a third-place finisher. Yeah, and to that point, um, I think it was uh, Tim Sullivan column in the Courier-Journal noted several other prominent trainers that have had as many or more positive uh, tests come back on horses that they train and in fairness these are all guys that train large stables all over the country um but that um you know it, if they uh win a race uh, the next race they win is is going to be viewed a little differently it just feels like to me that anytime bob baffert wins a big race now at least in the short term you know people are going to almost want to look away a little bit does that make sense yeah, I mean it, it's a damage. Uh, it's damage to his reputation. It's going to be fascinating to see what owners do. Because let let's set the set the scene here a little bit. Bob has won a lot of Kentucky Derbies and a lot of big races without any positive tests going right. on. So it's not like he hasn't had great success, and it's not like all of his success has been built on somehow doping his horses but when you have that many it it is tough to keep track of everything that goes on i think the frustration at churchill is that you know you sign a document when you go in there that that you're going to abide by a set of rules and in a race as important as the kentucky derby to not be on top of it i mean baffert didn't have a bunch of derby horses he only had one even though he's training a bunch of horses there out of his stable uh that bet who is attending the horse, Baffert, that Churchill has an equine medical director at the track every day. All you have to do is ask, hey, we're giving him this ointment. What? It, what? What's the impact? Of Any problem here? Could, and that that could have that could have alleviated this, but they never did that. Apparently, yeah. It seems like you know the the one thing. Uh, whichever side you come down on, as far as Baffert, you could, probably everybody could agree it was very negligent to. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, not have uh, checked out everything that's going to touch that particular horse because he was running in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, shift to the Coach K story. Uh, your reaction when you heard it? Well, none of us can be surprised. He'll be seventy-five this year, so uh, you know we know that that these guys are not going to coach forever. Um, the timing of it is interesting, but I I felt like you know we had a lot of discussion yesterday about. The, just the, the sea change that's happened in college basketball, and I think no sport in the world has changed more over the last two years than than college basketball. Between transfer portal and what COVID did, you know, for it for that year that 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 it was going on, but but really the the name, image, and likeness, all these things are combining to really change the game. I got the feeling, for instance, when Roy Williams announced his retirement that a lot of that played a big role in what he did. Uh, I think it may have played a role in this decision by Krzyzewski, although I don't think it was the deciding role. I think it was a factor, but not the factor. Uh, I think Krzyzewski, if he wanted to, could adjust to all this and keep winning and keep doing what he's always done and uh, and be fine. But when you're his age and you've done everything you've done, I think that the desire to go back and just kind of remake everything again, maybe less than it would have been, say, 10 years ago. Any surprise that both Carolina and Duke went with um, assistants slash former players as the successors rather than go out on the uh, open market? 
Maybe a little, um, uh, you know, but you have to look at the open market, <laughs> too. I mean, the, the big names are retiring, and there are no big names behind them. You have to kind of go out and find the next big name. And, uh, you know, we're in one of those times where the next big name isn't always obvious. So yeah, I think point. if you can't do that, you might as well do what they've done. Uh, now, I think that both those schools better be prepared that, you know, these guys are not going to be able to recruit at the level that Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski did. And you're not just going to pick right up and keep on winning. And how much patience are they going to have with these guys if they have two, three years where they're not on the lead lap of the conference or they're not winning the league? Um, that That's what's going to be interesting to watch. But it may well be that anybody you bring in, even a big name, might have that same lag time, and then you're forced with the idea of what do I do with this big name coach. So... I think it's a smart move uh, for continuity. I think it acknowledges that there really isn't anybody that you're going to bring in there to to replace Mike Krzyzewski and keep that keep that level and that uh, that kind of Q rating going. So uh, I'm surprised that uh, that they just went within with guys that don't have head coaching experience, but not surprised that they wouldn't go out and reach for for a big name coach. Because I don't know whose name is big enough with some of these guys. At uh, WDRB.com is where you will find Eric Crawford. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. We'll come out, come back and close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. <music> NBA playoffs last night. Uh, the 76ers clinched, and Tyrese Maxey had 13 off the bench. And Atlanta eliminated the Knicks. It, uh, the game played out just like uh, the others uh, had, with New York uh, just continuing to struggle Offensively, just got painful to watch. There was a time, uh, late third, early fourth, when uh, Emmanuel quickly sparked the Knicks to what was their really last run at the Hawks, but uh, unfortunately they could not sustain it. Shuffle Bean Coffee is a Kentucky-based company that started in 2012, and they are all about quality. They like to say they follow the process of, from seed to cup. Starts with the best coffee beans out of this rich volcanic soil down in Costa Rica that gives you the best cup of coffee. They're the official coffee of Rupp Arena and the KFC Yum Center, and they can be the official coffee of your home. Get some today at Kroger or order through Amazon Prime or through shufflebean.us. Coming up tomorrow, Freddie Maggard will join us. A lot of Kentucky football talk, and we'll do a little Belmont Stakes preview with Dick Girardi, too. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you 